to Monday's episode? <laughs> oh, you like? Yeah. Did you pre-populate? Because I because then I can yeah. put it in our show. Yeah. Hi, everybody. We're we're uh, we we bleeding in from the pre-pre show where we talk about administrative things to now the real put. pre-show where we talk about fun human factorsy things. Yeah. We have the pre-show pre-pre show where we talk about everybody behind the back before they come into the room. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, right. Let me just get that link for you. I had a lot of fun with tonight's yeah. thumbnail. Oh yes, I. Uh, <laughs> we, still, we seem to we seem to have hit a bit of a formula about how to get more listeners, and, yep. and that's lately to talk around subjects that are slightly more risque. Risque, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. T- tonight's topic is very fun. Um, although, look, like we're we're talking about kissing here. We're not. Well, Nothing we else. Well, we start There's a technology. Let's let's. We're talking about a technology here. Yes. That has practical applications. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. Right. I don't. I'm just going to chuck that. The link that you've asked for is now under the programming notes. Under programming notes. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, this is actually something I need to feed back to PodPage. Um, so obviously, uh, both of our websites use, use PodPage, and I really like it um, in the main. But when you're doing the URL for the next episode, which you can pre-fulfill, there, there should be a copy button to put it straight onto your clipboard um, rather than have to highlight it and do that, because the button that looks like it should be the copy button is the edit button. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. The, from, the, from the folks at PodPage, if you're listening, because clearly you'll be listening to tonight then uh, there's a little bit of free usability advice for you yeah you know what else they need um which is something that i've been requesting for a very long time is the ability to uh not only pre-populate the um the the link but other details too so like if you have you know anything else as soon as it's live it just overwrites it because every week what i have to do since uh pod page just for listeners <laughs> behind the scenes pod page has a separate signature section which is the same on every single episode which is great mm-hmm. if we need to update information about like how to contact us or uh you know we also use it for like voting on our stories that are coming up next week you know we embed the tweet there so that way everyone can engage on to this current episode and so um one thing that i would love to do is uh you know preset what the description would be because you know in our description that we send out everywhere it includes some of that information but on pod page it's kind of static and changes week to week so that way or it's dynamic and changes week to week so that way you know no matter which episode you're listening to on there it'll always have the most up-to-date information so so basically the need to sort of pre-populate other fields other than just the uh, URL for the next episode. Um, and I will put yeah, this live would, Monday. It would save so much effort. Um, because you're right, because we you, you have to wait for the the RSS feed to update for then to push it to then produce the episode and then you can go in and add all, add all the things as you, as you just highlighted. I don't see I mean I, I know it's not it's it's easy to look from the outside and sort of say it should be dead easy to do that. But I'm sure it's got to be fairly easy to do it mm-hmm. um, as long as you keep that url the same why would it go wrong 
Well, it ingests data, and all you need to do is, you know, have a system in place that's yeah. automatically it, overwrites that data with what you yeah. pre-populated. Like that's, I say it like it's so easy. I'm a developer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's um, it's funny enough. I have said I have quite a lot of similar conversations whenever we're running um, um, project teams. Of I just want this. It's steady easy, isn't it? I mean, it's just that's a widget. Easy. I chuck the widget in, and then they get get all upset. Apparently, I'm taking them for granted and and all sorts of things. Um, mm. right. Um, drop on you because I'm nice like that. Uh, do you like the additions that I made to the it came from section just to kind of give us like the framing and um, the yeah, but I, I, I appreciate your ambition, but you do realize I got I, I still just got completely off topic with that, and that's fine. It's for <laughs> it's mainly for me, that's fine. <laughs> Um, All right. So, uh, yeah, we are talking about uh, bring it back to the uh, topic tonight. We're talking about kissing in VR um, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. But we are sort of uh, trying again this system of breaking down the article by what do they what do you call these, Barry? Um, I call them human factors domains, human domains, factors, dimensions, the domains, I think. OK, so. The only reason I've used the one, so for those who are, are listening early, um, particularly if you're UK based, you might recognise them because they are. I've just stolen them straight from the um, from the military standard because that's what I do. Um, and so split them down by personnel training, human factors engineering, system safety and health, organisational and social. And it, I, in some ways, I think it's, you know, it's a good way to make sure you capture all the all the different aspects. Um, but what I don't think we have is last week you had some extra ones in there um, to pick up some really almost like you know, almost like some of the, the cognitive bits, the psych bits, um, which this doesn't necessarily lend itself to. So we might want to add some brackets into these. I don't think we need more sections. But I think just to make sure we you know we include the, the yeah right you know I think you're right and and maybe that's um... Once we get this to a place, because I'd like to add in a couple more bullet points to this list as we're talking mm -hmm. tonight, uh, just before the show, it make me feel a little bit more comfortable about uh, sort of the conversation. I think we have enough here, but I want to pad it yeah, just yeah. in case. Um, but yeah, I think one sort of exercise, once we have enough, it might be kind of like, let's take these five categories. And I'm actually going to do this right now um, and yeah. sort of uh, repopulate them here. And then I'm going to take the technical groups and kind of... Um, pre-populate those so that way we can just kind of look at maybe where certain things are certain things to consider if that makes sense so you want um, to create a matrix of, of a, well thing i wouldn't necessarily call it a matrix but like i'm i'm saying uh you know there's um there is there are going to be things outside of uh domains right i bet there isn't uh, I bet but there is like aerospace systems. Where does that fall? Because that's yeah, that's human factors engineering. Okay, all right, all right. I see you. I see you. Okay, <laughs> go on. Aging would be like aging is personnel. No. All right, all right. Let's see if we can do this. Augmented cognition. That's um. It's either personnel or right. Chefy. Yeah, I'm, I would say that's yeah. In the wrong spot. Um. Speaking of this, I really just need to. I have so much to do before I go on leave next week, just for uh, 
personal stuff, podcast stuff, and work stuff. So much stuff. Children's issues. Where's that fall? Personnel? Yep. All right. Cognitive engineering, decision-making. Engineering. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty self-explanatory. Goes into... Uh... Wait, I said this was... I, I think it's... I think it's, it's here. Personnel. Well, it, could, it, 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 it can fit into both. Um, yeah, I, no, actually, leaving comms makes more sense. Um, okay. Computer like, systems. Engine, um, HFE. There's, see, HFE has a lot. That's why I'm like, when do we break up HFE? Uh, cybersecurity is... Up by, these, by these bits, though, works. Um, cyber, what was that? Cyber security. Cyber security. Um, that's HFE. Or is it organization social? You could, that could span depending on where, on where it's going. It, yeah, see, like, there's a couple where it could just kind of fit in wherever it is. <laughs> I suggest educational goes in training. Okay. Yeah, I, I also believe that is true, right? Though there's well, an argument, education and training are not necessarily the same thing, but um, I think we should fit it under the umbrella. Environmental design. That's... Uh... Organization social. That's it. Okay. Well, it could be. It could be either. All right. Yeah. Okay. Forensics is HFE, I think. See, I'm I'm seeing a lot in HFE. Mm -hmm. That's why that's why it's one of my favorite domains. Where I make the most money. Ah, got, you. got you. No, but actually, it's it's where a lot of the um, biggest stuff happens anyway, because that's where all your effectively your safety critical system stuff comes in. Um. Performance modeling. Is that still stuff from the bottom? And... Performance modeling training, or do you think that's more engineering? Oh. Uh, performance modeling, system safety, and health. I would think. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. That's uh, okay. Individual differences in performance. Right now, we're kind of matching up uh, for for everyone's awareness. We're matching up these. Uh, technical groups here from HFES to the domains uh, from the CIEHF side of things just to see kind of where everything fits as like a little exercise um, macroergonomics is that Oregon social yeah same thing with occupational erg uh, perception performance oh virtual environments domain that's, that's engineering See, and that's where, like for me, these like they both they each of these slice each of the other ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they they both cross intersect each other. Uh what makes it cool. I wonder where safety goes. Safety, I would put that inside system safety, personally. <clears throat> Sorry, was that was that a bit too sarcastic? <laughs> you know what? Can we pour one out just for the um the news story this week that didn't make it on uh, the barrier retaining walls. I was really, um, I, I don't know who had <laughs> the, the Twitter account when they posted that. I really don't. Um, and so someone uh, on our Twitter posted the, the retaining walls story. Yeah, but you can't beat a good bit of retaining walls. Um, right, that one means it would have been look. It would have been tough for us to talk. About. I, I'm I'm telling you now. Like okay, I when yeah, I yeah. when I picked that one out, I was like, oh yeah, we could talk about this. And then when I, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh geez, oh that would be a hard one. Please don't pick that one. 
there is um well to be fair i think we, we do this almost every week isn't it there's the stories that come out and you, i do look down them and go yes yeah no that'd be fine that'd be fine oh that one will be challenging or oh, please don't pick that one but i never say anything because as soon as you go and turn around and say please you know you put something on twitter said just please don't pick this one because i've got no idea what, what i'm talking about you just know that everyone's People gonna go gonna yeah. yeah so I, I don't say anything uh yeah i just realized i haven't changed my t-shirt either oh i'm so badly prepared it's okay I'm, I'm right there with you man like we're uh you know it's a thursday night we're we're okay we're i, I think we're in good company you can wear your shirt like wear my hoodie cool yeah um i i had a, a first experience last night for the first time in a while i have you have you ever played bingo i have played bingo yeah, I hadn't until last night. Oh, it's like, so it was a it was very much a learning <laughs> experience. And, uh, a, oh, geez. Uh, that reminds me of a a skit. Have you ever seen the television program *Impractical Jokers*? No. No. Okay. So the premise right. is that uh, you know th th there's four four guys and they all go out and kind of challenge each other to do pranks and whenever somebody fails to do a prank they kind of get a mark against them and at the end of the show they are forced to do a punishment the person who loses uh you know who who's kind of failed the most at these prank challenges and they're they're harmless fun in a lot of cases right they're like right. you know asking people questions that are uncomfortable or you know like it's never really putting anybody in danger um and so uh that's why i like it but the, there's this one episode where a guy lost um, and his punishment was to go to bingo and after the first five numbers say bingo after every number was called and oh, no. they <laughs> they you know had the person who was checking the cards come out to him every time and the person who was checking the cards was in on it and and so were the people up on the stage but everybody else in the room was not in on it so like all the uh, all the aging um individuals <laughs> yeah who 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 take bingo very seriously um we're getting very very upset at this person I, can imagine. I i was sat next to um to a lady who i'd met for the first time um uh, last night and um and that's what i said sort of oh, this is my first time at bingo and it'll be all right it'll be okay and um and they start so you obviously get the the book with the you know how many things on it and um and they start calling out the numbers. And I'm like, right, okay. So it's a, it's a searching task, isn't it? You've got to search across and find the number, dab the number, fine, okay. Mm. But then I'm trying to find these numbers and the people beside me, had, I got them so close. I was like, these guys are pros. And the one beside me going, you need to be quicker than that. Look, you missed that one. and starts dabbing my sheet as well. Yeah. And I was like, why are you finding them so quickly? She's like, well, it's easy. And I'm like, well, it's not because I can't see them. And uh, it was then that she sort of, highlighted and i don't know why i didn't see this that all the numbers like 1 to 10 10 to 20 20 to 30 are all in the columns um and so you just have to find the you know go to the right one across the top and down it took me a full game to get that i just thought they were all like amazing uh, at uh, a pattern recognition but it just turns out it was actually quite simple and i was just being a moron but um but by the end of it i won i, I won 30 quid so 30 pounds so i'm, I'm very i was very happy with that but, uh, you know what? I, I did, hang on. Did you say you won or no? Yeah, yeah, I won. You did. Okay, great. Yeah. So it cost us. I think we worked out we spent um, twenty twenty nine pounds, 
on the the bingo books and the dabber pens that you have to have um and things like that because it was uh, me my wife and my daughter who went and um and so and that cost like 29 pounds and so because I, I won 30 pounds it turns out we made a pound mm-hmm. so it was still still quids up hey you're uh, you're uh, yeah i mean you know what you made money off of a fun experience so i think that's a win so and now, and now that we've um, obviously passed our initial training then uh, two weeks time is the next one so mm. um so we'll we'll be back um it was quite nice it was it was quite a um, a, a fun a fun bit of things to do um i am i'm so glad you had fun playing bingo bingo's a fun game um it gets a lot of uh, uh stigma i guess with um sort of some of like i said the uh older folks that play it but i, I mean really like so, some people play it so seriously yeah um, yes. and and take it uh really really like you were saying you know punching other people's uh cards now did you get one of the three first the the ones with the three um the the three cards on it right so it's like it's a stack of three. Oh, this three was um, one, two, three. This is five. Okay, so you went, you went, you went in pretty hard uh, for the first yeah. time. You went, you went a five for. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was, it was, it was quite intense, but um, no, it, it it was fun. Um, I think it was probably quite expensive for what we did, but hey, there we go. Um, oh. Quick shout out to Tony, who's just waved at us through Facebook. Um, so Tony being my uh, my younger brother. Um, Hi, Tony. I feel like I'm meeting your whole family through uh, through through our live streams. Well, yes, that, that's true. It's um, you'll. I don't think you'll ever meet my. Well, you would never meet my my mum through this because she doesn't have a Facebook account. I don't know how people live without a Facebook account anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But I think my mum just lives vicariously through my dad's Facebook account. Because you know, my, my dad, my dad will sit there, and if I we put photos on or anything like that, he, he'll then show her the photos. So, um, hey, I think I think, uh, I think really my dad's been on this either, so which is probably for the best. Let's see, really quick, I just want to say that I think this yeah. blurb maybe could be tightened up a little bit. Um, I just read quicker. Um, that I'm not a fan of the last paragraph. I think we could bin the entire last paragraph. Let's let's kill it and throw it down here as like a. a I, I have been meaning to put like a loose rounds, right? Like something that doesn't necessarily fit. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be a good place to put that. Um, you know what I think we should do, right? I've been just seeing, you know, we've got these categorized in these five things. I want to create almost like a table that has the title and the, the subtitles in, because I think they are really, really neat. Because I've just started to sort of use the, that whole, you know, the aging and children's issue. In fact, children's issue. So, um, um, yeah, no, I, I, I really like that. And so then we can put, you know, the, the them titles in one column, and then the second column is where we can put all of our notes. And therefore, we can then just use it time after time. But I'm going to stay. I'm going to put it in there. Is what I mean. If this will let me do it. So, Did I just steal your point? Because I feel like that's a great point to make. Uh, this one here. Where, where, where have you put it? I'm. I'm. High, it's oh, in personnel. 
Oh, oh, no, like that. Good one. Yeah, not like that. Children's issues. See, yeah, I mean, this. I I like the the way this is uh, organized because it does stretch us to to sort of think about some of these other things. Um, this round. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take one more look at that blurb here. Uh, for everyone sticking around, we do have about ten minutes before we actually start our live show. So, thank you for sticking around with us. Um, oh, I wasn't meant to do that. Oh, there we go. Whoa. Gary. No, it's back now. It's okay. Dude. We just, just had to... uh not only Georgetown Masters quality, safety, and leadership like our tweet, but we also had uh we we also had buttplug.io <laughs> peach emoji plug emoji open source sex tech liking our tweet. Um, Why wouldn't we? So that is an awesome like. <laughs> oh, I've. <laughs> but I, uh, I've got I've got a confession to make. Yeah, do you own oh, that I, Twitter I, account? Is that no? <laughs> no. <laughs> you thought you were on you were you thought you were on the K Sharp one and yeah, it, it, I, I, I liked it through the wrong account. But um, no, I, I've been I've been moonlighting on another podcast. Oh, have you? I have. I did an interview, and I, to be honest, I completely forgot about it. Um, but I got interviewed by um, um, Ian Peterman, who runs um, um, what is he? What's uh, the Peterman Design Firm out there in the in the states? And he runs a, a podcast called Conscious De uh, the Conscious Design. Um, and so he asked, I interviewed him ages ago, mm -hmm. and because um, he had got he put a book out on conscious design, and so he asked if he could interview me, and so we did that, and so that went live apparently um, a couple of hours ago. Yeah, I see it. Which actually, what was what was quite neat and something I might have to, um, you know, I'm all about stealing other people's good ideas. Um, is he then? Uh, or one of his team then emailed me saying, um, it's now live, great, da-da-da-da. He's, um, if you want to tweet about it, then um, he's a pre-formatted tweet with all the links and stuff, so you can just go and paste it into your thing. He's some graphics and all. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's verging on prepared. I like yeah. that. So The, the pre-formatting? Yeah. Well, just, yeah. just the giving your guests the um, everything there so they don't have to think about write, writing a, um, a tweet or an Instagram post. And they give me Facebook and Instagram tweet you know most of the main ones and um so i could just go if i wanted to i could just cut and paste it in and it, in, and it would be done um which is a, an idea that i might just have to steal yeah um do, so can you see in the notes now where i put the table in below your loose i rounds? can see it yeah i i do so yeah i was wondering um not for this one because of what it is but we could just put our notes into that right hand side column and therefore, we you got the stuff at the left hand side, which would be there as a constant prompt. Um, right. So just for the titles, which I, I was almost just running through the titles, you could pick out different bits that would be useful. Um, but yeah. But also like these notes in there, and then actually you, we could put in. Oh, how? Do, oh, there we go. Because um, if you didn't, loose rounds. Yeah, there you go. Um, that, that I, I, yeah, I like that format. What I'll need to do is I, I need uh, to revisit the uh, the automation. So we have now our show notes automated. 
Um, oh, yes, mostly. So I need to re- <laughs> revisit that, but I think for now, you know, we can kind of copy that, paste that in. Um, because, I, I mean, we kind of did away with the, like, supplemental articles anyway. Um, mm, yeah. Well, but even then, you could still link them link them through if, if we had supplemental articles. Um, right. I think this just gives us potential structure for um, being able to, like, right, you know, what we're talking about in terms of personnel, aging, children issues, that, that, that you can, then we can just fill out notes. Um, yeah. And then if we need to link in, need to use them links to work out actually what they actually mean, then that, that's also there. Anyway, that's thoughts for, for the next one because we've already done all of this stuff. We have. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking for, like, maybe what? some additional topics that we could talk about here. I think we have enough. I think, you know, we can certainly banter back and forth. And I think... Uh, Let's see here. Oh, yeah, I was going to look at the blurb here. Um, oh, I meant to go and look at the video, actually, because I, I saw the video on the... Um, oh, yeah. Go, go the, watch uh, the video. Okay, let's do that. Ultrasonic transducers. Oh, God. Oh, wow. That's very loud. What the hell are those? XR. Wow. That's also very loud. <laughs> it's a. Uh... Oh, of course, because it's coming through YouTube and it's the same thing. Um... All right, skip that. Let's go away. Mount mouth haptics in. Okay. Oh, they look wow! They're intense. Actually, I was um, at Cardiff University the other day at their um, AI and robotics lab, and they've got some um, helmet-mounted systems or head-mounted systems um, like the Quest. Um, but they've also got an add-on system that gives them a, a, an array of sensors, but around the forehead, round the thing, um, around the cheeks, and that which is supposed to give you really good measurements for mental workload and i think it's all through galvanic skin response i've never hmm. played with it yet. um but looked considered it was just a bolt-on um that that um could then synchronize with whatever it is you're doing it seemed to be a really neat way of doing it so so i'm hoping to play with that at some point too oh, no don't do that don't don't yawn sorry I know. oh high energy i didn't mean to do that it's only because it, this week's been a really long week. I had, we found a um, a, um, a a bucket of money um, to be bid for um, on last last Friday, last Thursday, and but it was like up to six million pounds worth of money. So it was like, whoa, that that, that that's like worth gunning for. Um, but I didn't pick it up until Sunday, and it had to be in on Wednesday, as in yesterday. Um, and so this whole expression of interesting, so basically 1500 words on some amazingness that we want to do. Um, and so I had to get a team together and, but everyone was really good, but it was meant lots of late nights this week, um, to get, to get all this done. Hence why I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit, uh, um, a bit looking forward to, to the end of the week. 
Yeah, same. I am very excited to be like, so Monday night is when I'm hoping to be done with everything in terms of like, so we have we have a couple things going on here at the podcast, uh, the, at the lab, really, um, and some fun new things going on at the lab, too. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on over the next couple of weeks while I'm out that I need mm-hmm. to plan and schedule. Um, and like I said, you know, I have that. I have. Um, oh, shoot. I was going to do an update on the mask, but I don't have it in here. Uh, I guess I could go run and grab it. There's three minutes till, but mm, that's okay. I'll, I'll post, post pictures or something. Um well, post the, show. Yeah, post show. I could go do it. That's right. Stick around for the post show. Um, and then, uh, so I have the, his costume that we're working on. We still need to like paint the armor um, and really get him used to actually being in all this. I think <laughs> once we get everything on, he's going to be like, no, I want out. I want out. And it's going to be all for nothing. We'll get like, you know, two pictures in the hotel room, call it done uh, type of thing. Um, maybe he'll be more, you know, uh, uh, this is my one more thing this week, so I'm, I'm going to stop. But uh, so there's that. And then I have work stuff that I'm like trying to make sure, you know, because I'm gone for two weeks. I'm trying to make sure that sure. all my stuff is in alignment before I leave. That's very, um, very um, conscious of you, very um, responsible of you. I have checklists on checklists on checklists and like. Just, just just while we're in the pre-show, I have, you know, like my medication journey. Um, I recently was bumped up to a, a higher dosage um, of the medication I'm currently using to treat ADHD. And um, I think it's working better, although I needed prior authorization for it. And now there are some things in which the the service that I'm getting them from are no longer going to be able to prescribe them after a certain point in time. So it's like, it might be working. I don't know. There's a lot, but, but the, the thing I wanted to mention is that like, you know, it's going to run out right before we leave. And so like, I'm going to need to get a refill. Can I do that in another state? I don't know. It's just a whole mess. Um, So we'll see, but uh, that's why I'm getting all my ducks in a row before we leave. Yeah. I was going to say, could you not go to them and say, look, you're going on holiday. Can you get a refill now? Well, with controlled substances, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's unsporting of them. <laughs> yeah, because they think I'm going to go and sell it. All right. Uh, it's just about time, so hang out with us. We are going to be right back. We're going to start this show. It's going to be a good one um, on me dropping stuff all over myself. All right. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 246. We're recording this episode live on May 19th, 2022. This is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Good evening, Nick, and hello from the UK. Hello from the UK to me, I guess, because you're in the UK and I'm here. Hello from the US. Uh, (laughs) We got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about VR researchers and how they have found a way to potentially simulate the feel of uh, 
things on your lips. And later, we're going to talk about, answer some questions in the community, really, about lucrative fields in UX or human factors. We're also going to be talking about your ideal work environment and applying to UX research jobs at high-profile companies, well-known companies, big tech companies. We'll say that. But first, Dave, we got some programming notes for you all, our community update. Uh, just over the next couple of weeks, I wanted to let everybody know what the plan is. Next week, uh, Human Factors Cast is going to have some Ergonomics and Human Factors conference coverage uh, that, you know, Barry was gracious enough with his time to sit down with me to talk about EHF. We also have some, uh, I guess, clips from folks who went to the uh, event and are, you know, those will be kind of stitched in. So uh, do want to mention, though, our patrons are getting the full interviews with those folks that went to the conference. Barry was nice enough to share those with our patrons as kind of added value. So that's next week. Following that, we're going to be off on the 2nd of June. And then on the 9th of June, we'll be back. So really, we'll be gone for two weeks, but you'll only see us gone for one week. That's what it comes down to. Barry, I got to know what's going on over at 1202. Well, as you just mentioned, I finally got out of this hiatus of not putting any content out. I've finally learned how to put um, video content together in, in in a sort of meaningful way. And so on Monday, the Ergonomics Conference will, um, our coverage will drop where we've been talking to um, five, six different different people who went and were part of the organization. And as you quite rightly said, the, the full interviews from, from each one of them um, interviews will, uh, the patrons will get. But but will this 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 will drop on on Monday, and I'm quite excited um, because because that's coming up. But we've also got another interview that's happening tomorrow, um, one that we've we've been teasing about for a while, and I'm not going to mention exactly who it is, just in case it all falls through again like it did last time. But I'm really excited to be able to get some of these um, in the canon. Everybody who spoke to me uh, for EHF um, coverage, which is obviously a really short interview compared to what I usually do. They promised to do full interviews as well. So I'm quite looking forward to them getting underway. Yeah. So wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that you have EHF coverage and we have EHF coverage? How are we making sure that there's no overlap, Barry? It's almost like we made this a collaborative, synergistic effort. <laughs> They're very big words for saying we actually spoke to each other, aren't they? Yeah, we yeah. talked to each other yeah. and made sure that there was no overlap. Okay, yep, yep, yep. That's it. All right. Hey, well, we're going to get into this, uh, this part of the show that we like to call Human Factors News. Right, this is where we break down all things human factors. You all pick the news stories. We didn't pick it this one this week. I don't know. Barry, what is the story this week? So the story this week that you kind of nudge people towards rather than some of the other ones uh, was VR researchers have basically figured out how to simulate the feel of kisses. So a modified VR headset can create the sensation of touch either on a user's lips or even inside their mouths. Researchers from the Carnegie Mellon University Future Interfaces Group have modified an off-the-shelf virtual reality headset so that it recreates a sensation of touch in and around a user's mouth, finally fulfilling virtual reality's inevitable one true purpose. We are generally used to, obviously, handle controllers that vibrate, and most consumer-ready virtual reality devices ignore senses like taste, like smell and touch, and focus on visuals and sound, presumably because it's kind of the, the easiest thing to do at the moment. It's enough to make virtual reality experiences far more compelling than they were dec decades ago, but not really enough to truly fool, fool the brain into thinking that what your eyes are seeing is possibly a real-life experience, that you're fully immersed in it. You might not be able to reach out and feel realistic fur on a 
virtual dog just yet, but experience the sensation of drinking water from a virtual drinking fountain could be just around the corner. In addition to other experiences don't, that presumably don't require that much imagination. The researchers upgraded what appears to be a Quest 2 headset with an array of ultrasonic transducers. They're all focused on the user's mouth and it works without the need for additional resources or any other hardware set up around the wearer. They create the feeling of touch on the user's lips, teeth, and even their tongue while the mouth is open. The transducers can do more than just simulate a gentle touch. By pulsing them in specific patterns, they recreate the feeling of an object sliding or swapping across the lips. Or persistent vibrations, such as the continuous splashing of water when leaning down to sip from a virtual drinking fountain. So Nick, can you see the potential use, uses of adding lip haptics to, to your quest? Yeah, lip control devices, clearly. Uh, I'll be honest, I totally missed the in the mouth part when when re-skimming this story. Uh, and so I kind of lost it back here. Anyway, the look, the I think what was going on here is the authors were very careful to word this as specific patterns across the lips, like splashing water. I mean, we all know what they really mean here and sort of what the application of this is. With that being said, teledeldonics is one of my favorite words. This is that. Um very good. And I I do love uh, VR stuff, and I love the way in the different ways in which we try to mask our senses and, I don't know, bolt on added functionality within VR to mask those certain senses with something like the lips. Those are a very sensitive body part. And so there's going to be perhaps more uh, care and attention that needs to be paid to the device actually stimulating the lips in these patterns to emulate real world uh, situations. Barry, I am curious what your initial sort of thoughts on this article are. <laughs> well, my initial thought was, that, well, if we start with the lips, then clearly where do you stop? Um, <laughs> we've got to get a bit more grown up about this, I think. Um, it is a really interesting technology. And, and you know, from a science and technology perspective, it's clearly got a lot of application. Um, and... The, you know, and I think we'll probably talk about how you know the, this is clearly just a start of doing doing um, doing more things. But isn't it weird how the application of all of these sort of things turn to sex based applications first? You know, that's yeah. that's where we, like things like this, it's automatically gone, not because of the um, the amazing thing technology thing that they're doing, but it's how it can be used um, in that way. I just find that um, that the child in me finds that very very amusing. Yeah, so. I don't know. It, I mean, sex sells, right? And so when you think about sort of how can we exploit these new technologies to uh, sort of appeal to people, I think I think that's that's sort of the the next logical step, right? Uh, let's let's break this down. I think you know we tried something last week on the show where we kind of talked about it from a variety of different. Uh, uh, I guess, slices of human factors, whether that's like domain areas or, you know, traditionally like the technical groups. But I think we have a good way to go forward. Let's talk about the people behind this. And I think, you know, this is more of a discussion, Barry, who are the types of people that might use this type of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we sort of get into this, isn't it? And it's without i guess how where do we want to keep the the rating of the of this podcast but it is you know it's clearly got a whole, <laughs> okay we'll keep going with that theme. so there's clearly um some obvious app application that we're going to allude to in a very childish manner all the way through this podcast but it's that 
if we can make the make the leap from not just talking about lips, but assuming that it's going to go further, that you're going to get that whole that haptic immersive capability is is pretty much getting there, and so there is that broader application. I mean, if you've seen Ready Player One, this is kind of us getting really down that line. There's always been a lot of criticism um, with um, VR and, and AI to a certain extent that um, that you're you're only fooling some of the senses, and this takes us that one step further. So, if there's anybody who's going to be involved in, you know, working in immersive environments, I mean, the 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 metaverse is now such a thing. But then, so was Second Life. Um, this sort of thing would have been equally applicable within sort of like that Second Life. Anything where you're trying to get that full immersion in there. So, it could be, um, you know, we we talked during in episode two hundred and forty around artificial artificial intelligence providing companionship is this just the next step of interacting with that and because that, that's what led me down to down to that thinking of are we talking about people interacting with people are we talking about people interacting with artificial intelligence or just bots you know they don't necessarily have to be fully artificially intelligent so are you talking about is it a true human machine interaction or is it a human machine human interaction uh which i thought was um because you, you you could use it we have these um things where you know if you're away from your partner for a long time so you're working away or you may be posted away or you're doing the sort of job maybe working on like um all platforms or something that is really remote like working out on chips then will this actually allow connectivity between you know you and your loved ones and, and things that like intimacy. that yeah yeah um you know the even if just like at the slightly less uh blue end of the scale kissing your partner good night before you go to bed um you know uh what would that do to repair some of them relationships i think it'd be quite interesting or like even even being able to like virtually kiss my son's forehead as i'm out at a business trip or something like that that'd be awesome i would love that uh you know i think there's there's a lot to be said for the people that would use this and there's obviously the applications that we keep alluding to but there's a lot of practical ones as well um and and you know that that kissing your loved ones good night is is one of those examples but i think there's also sort of um you know we historically on the show have sort of shied away from talking about VR games and, and gaming just in general, because it's, it's kind of a, it's an easy fit VR and games, but there's this whole immersive storytelling aspect, right. That we can sort of think about with, um, with this type of technology. If there were stories built around falling in love with, like you said, a digital uh, avatar or sorry, not avatar, a digital agent, um, then, you know, you'd have this whole other interaction that opens up a whole swath of societal issues, really. I mean, or not, not societal issues, I should say, societal questions that need to be answered about, you know, fidelity and uh, all that stuff. So, so, I mean, think about, you know, from a gaming perspective, you're like falling in love with an NPC or something along those lines, and you're able to actually kiss them. That might be one way. You have virtual books in here. Are you thinking something similar for that? Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of as a um, I, I love reading books. It's you know it's, it it is my sort of guilty pleasure that I don't get enough time to do. Um, and there was the idea that um, I don't know if you ever used to use them, but you get the the book that start that starts off with you read a bit, and then you can make a decision about where you go. And if you chose one decision, you turn to page three hundred forty-two. If you made another decision, you turn to page four hundred sixty-three, for example, and you you can have that sort of the, the, the adventure side of things. So could we be do, could, 
we this actually um take us down that route so it's not a game as in a game but it's an adventure it's a journey sure. um and so would this actually allow you to um you know go on one of them journeys um in in a virtual way so that you've got that immersive storytelling element that you've got a certain amount of interaction over but it's not a game it's 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 that sort of thing and it will do it's all about the immersion um which this so it, would which this technology would sort of send you there yeah it's almost like passive storytelling right so there's there's active storytelling which is more like video games where you are directing the uh the sort of character that you are playing into certain actions right i.e kissing an npc the virtual books um and other applications i can think of as sort of this passive storytelling with you as a passive participant watching what's going on around you that might be a sense that you might need in some specific application areas just saying we're gonna skirt it all night folks all right uh, <laughs> that'll be a long evening <laughs> all right enough with the puns let's go uh next next one next point here barry you want to talk about how it might evolve yeah, it's going to because again, this is going to be another interesting piece, isn't it? Because the if you've got this sort of um, this sort of technology, um, and I think it probably fits into some of the other as well. But the as you get older, the technology needs to be able to I don't know age with you, um, because you don't interact with technology the same way as as you get older. So um, as we get older, it's going to have to evolve with us. But if the way I would use this technology would be very different to the way our children would use the technology would be very different from the way that my parents would use the technology. Um, so is there something there about having to work out how the different applications, how basically how that use case would change with, with each individual persona? Um, and would it would it be vastly different? Or is, is my assumption just wrong? Actually, the way that we would use it is probably just very similar. Um, you know, it's just, I guess there's just like intensities and things that, that would change. But I don't know. I think there's there's something there around evolving use cases. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There's there's different people that are going to use this for different reasons. I myself would use it for the like kiss my family goodnight uh, remotely. Right. The um, the other, I guess this is almost a, a concern, um, especially when we consider children being online in these really scary environments. Um, what happens if there's a sexual predator online uh, that is sort of manipulating these senses in some way, shape, or form? That is a serious societal question, something that we need to think about. And how do we build in protections for our children and other vulnerable populations that may not have the same judgment, the same level of judgment, or the same, um, I guess, awareness of what could be on the other end of this thing, and and sort of the the tactics that are being used. That's a that's a huge question and something that is um, awful to think about. But it's something that we do need to think about it in terms of protecting our children. It is true, and I don't, I don't necessarily think we need to restrict it to children because I mean, how much do we hear about nowadays about people being taken in online? by um you know phishing emails um spoof e uh, addresses all that sort of stuff this is just that one sort of step away so um there is an element around that that i think that we um that we need to think about so should we just dive into look you know talking about the, the organizational social issues that uh, that this could uh that this could evolve yeah well i think you know we're, we're starting to open up that door of you know 
talking about who might be affected by this, that whole deception piece of who's on the other side of it, right? And this is a this is a larger issue with uh, virtual spaces, virtual environments, avatars, agents, all this stuff. How do you know if who you're talking to is who you're talking to? Does it matter? All these questions, right? And so we're starting to peel open this social societal question. So let's talk about it, right? So like, I don't know. I think the uh, the biggest thing for me is, I, I already kind of talked about it, but the the idea of you don't know who is on the other end of this thing um, most of the time, or I wouldn't, I shouldn't say most of the time, but you, it's possible that you don't know who's at the other end of this thing, what their goals are, what their, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, th- there's a lot to think about here. Mm. Do you want to talk about anything specific here? Well, I think for me, I, there's a, a worry be going on at the back of my mind about the more we rely on, um, technology technology to provide that sort of relationship mechanism are we just going to lose the ability for physical relationships because actually having a relationship online is just easier so we go back to that you know the the uh, the previous episode we did where we talked about an ai companionship um and we we both had a um, a very brief go at downloading that um that avatar based thing very and, short affair yeah well no but you <laughs> You know, it was one of them things that what um, I sort of read up a bit more about some other people who'd had sort of relationships with them. And there was, it was really interesting that the more people who got involved with them, the, the less they wanted it, they were less they were bothered about being interacting uh, with real people because that you had this avatar, this um, this AI based mechanism that was um, providing all the, fulfill- all the fulfillment you needed in terms of they were never going to argue with you. They were never going to give you any bad words or anything like that. You, it was just all the positive reaffirming stuff. And there was a, some other negative things happening around that. But when you combine that with this type, are we then just stepping away even further um, from those people who really probably do need physical, real relationships, as we would call them? Are we stepping away from them? Is it just another reason for the um, for them not to come out of um, seclusion? So that's a bit of a negative view, but there is a flip side to that, I think. And we've sort of hit, uh, touched upon it already around would you actually keep relationships alive that wouldn't necessarily survive um, over long distance and things like that. So as you you've quite rightly said, you know if you if you're going away on um, you know, going away on 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 business or on holiday or, or something like that, be, being apart from the family, being able to kiss the children good night, um, being able to kiss your partner good night, um, you know, will, will that provide a um, an element of that, which, which you know, that would be a, a really positive step, wouldn't it? That would be a really nice, really decent step forward. Yeah, it's it's almost connecting us in some of those ways in which we can't connect uh, physically, right? And you know, this goes for um, other applications outside of this technology here, right? I know there's others that have been sort of working on technology that allows for the ability to hug others virtually. Mm-hmm right through like a inflatable pillow think baymax from big hero 6 right so so there's other technologies being developed that will get at some of those other senses at some of those other experiences and i think that desire to explore these technologies really does stem from this world in which is very different from the way in which we evolved and when we evolved right we kind of think about 
these close-knit familial society structures where you have, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's true, right? Your village is your family and you have this really close, intimate connection with them. In today's society, in today's society, uh, we have sort of this interesting mix of people emigrating from certain locations because of cost of living, because of opportunities, because of one thing or another. And we don't have that close knit societal structure that we once had as we were evolving. And so this is, to me, this is a way to patch that. If I could, mm-hmm. you know, hug, hug my mom and dad, uh, you know, virtually um, through, you know, the other technology that I'm talking about here, that brings me a little bit closer to them, but without the physical distance. I, I don't know. There's just a lot to think about here, right? Well, there is because there's another point that um, that you made, and in further down, which I've just stolen and brought up here, it, one of the things that, that really brought out in in COVID was the amount of people who went into hospital, and the last thing that they thought that they were going to see before they were put into a medical coma, or unfortunately before they they lost their lives, they had no the the you couldn't go into hospital and be with them because of the obviously, obviously infection risk. So the best that they could do was actually try and hold up a um, an iPad or you know a tablet um, for you to have a video call with them. I mean, would this have been um, something just a bit more to allow you to you know kiss your loved one that that the last that one last time, or just to give them a hug of reassurance um, be, before they get um, going to what what must have been really scary um, and a you know really horrible experience. So. This, in terms of that type of thing, would have been, um, you know, really, really empowering. I think, uh, right. or really, interesting. right? I, I, I do want to focus on sort of the the bringing people together aspect of it because I feel like we really, I don't want to say exhausted the conversation, but we really did. We were thorough in the episode that we did on living our lives in the metaverse. We kind of touched on a lot of these similar topics about. Well, what does it mean to lose these physical relationships? What does it mean to do, you know, yeah. how do we have bathroom breaks and all that stuff? Go listen to that episode if you want more of that discussion. But yeah, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that we need to consider from society. And again, a lot of these sort of echo that conversation. So go listen to that if you want to hear more of that. I think we should jump into we have training here. Uh, yeah. And this is this is interesting because when you think about this technology, you don't necessarily think about training. How do you train to kiss or how do you train to use the this uh device to feel something on your lips or in your mouth um you mentioned calibration here but yeah beyond that there's probably it's probably an intuitive experience well one would like to think i mean the way that we develop things now you know your phone your whatever we're using you generally don't have a don't don't use the um the book in fact you don't get a book anymore um you know the the idea that whatever you have, it should be intuitive. You should be able to pick it up and, and use it straight away. But if you're going to, I mean, obviously with the one that we've seen, and if you go and look on the YouTube, it is it bolts onto uh, what we believe is the is is the quest, and it just it just works. But it's I'm I'm assuming it's going to need a level of calibration um, because you know people have different different face shapes, they have different face colors, they have different um, you know pigmentation, augmentation, you know that that what their what their lips look like, um, all that sort of stuff. 
So there's going to be an element of that which is going to need to be very easy to use. So when you, for anybody who's used a, a Quest before, when you put it on for the first time, it does lead you through a calibration process. And, and actually, I think it does it does it relatively well. So what more are we going to need to be able to use um, use this type of system? And as it gets more expansive, so if we're looking at it in terms of, you know, maybe um, gloves, if you're looking at maybe whole suits, putting them on, then you're going to be able to, you, it's not just, presumably, it's not just going to be something you just be able to take on and off. Um, simply, you've got to, you will have to put it on in, in a way to make sure it's connected, you don't break it and things like that. Because if it's anything like me, I'll probably stand on it and break it. Um, and, and maintenance, how do you, how do you maintain such a, such a system is it you know given what it is are you is, is it going to need cleaning is it going to need um you know how do you do that without uh, breaking all the sensors and, and things like that so i think there's um them all them sort of elements of, of training that you have to think about but then flipping that on its head is will it become a vector for training itself so there's a lot of work being going on in simulation and and all, and all that sort of stuff to provide training to to the military try Training now to blue light, um, blue light services, first responders, things like that. Will this type of thing be able to give um, a level of training there, um, but for more immersive um, simulation training? So, one of the other things that popped into my my mind when we were talking about health earlier was actually we know that remote surgery has been a thing in healthcare. So, where surgeons who don't necessarily can't get um, anywhere can do this remote surgery. That combined with this idea of tele-existence, um, the idea about you being able to basically inhabit a, another body, a, a robot body to do what you want to do, then that's going to become a big thing here for like remote surgery and take that to the next level. Are you going to be able to use this type of sensor technology to give you an even better feel experience for doing that sort of remote operation, be it surgery, be it in another um, safety critical domain, could be the nuclear industry, for example, and things like that. So I think there's a lot there actually around training when you look at it both sides of the coin that I think is going to be quite, um, could be quite uh, quite a real game changer. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hear you uh, for, for VR in general. Um, what, what I, I'm just asking, Barry, I'm just asking the questions here. What sort of professions uh, need to use their mouth on a daily basis that they might need to do remotely. I'm just asking questions. I, yeah, no, I, I, I see, I see where you're coming from, and and just trying to be musicians. Oh, there you uh, go. I didn't see that Thank, one you. With you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You saved the show. Look, yeah, no, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. There are some instances in which. Um, using this as a training tool for things like being a musician would be really valuable, especially when you don't maybe have, uh, you know, the in instrument in front of you. You could imagine uh, what that might feel like on your lips and your tongue as you're trying to play something like yep. a saxophone, right? And and um, obviously it'd be easier if you had something physical in front of you to use, but that's probably the next best thing, especially as you're trying to use your mouth to make these sounds. Um, and I don't know. I, I think that's a great application. And you really saved that question. Thank you, Thanks. Barry. I'm really glad you you picked up on what I was asking there. <laughs> um, oh, and, and another one. First aid training. There you go. Yeah, CPR. CPR. Yeah. See, so, we, we don't have to live in the gutter all the time. No, we don't. That's not where this show lives <laughs> most of the time.
<laughs> so, okay, we talked about training. Let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the human factor side of this, right? I want to talk, I want to jump straight into SMP, uh, sensation perception, because I think there's something really unique about the lips that uh, sort of exists on the rest of the body, but maybe uh, I'm talking about the sensation uh, and, and sort of distance between the receptors on the lips in the body. If you think about the right, we're looking at like maybe two uh, millimeters between receptors. I think that's I'm reading that correctly. Anyway, the uh, there's a chart here. But if you think about the distance between two receptors on any part of your body, the lips are an erogenous zone, which means they are, uh, you know, very close together. There's a lot of sensation. You can tell whether your finger is here versus here. And I'm just moving my finger along my lips very, very um, not not a far distance between the two points. And you can tell those, right? And those are the same thing that you feel on your fingertips, right? If you were to take something and touch the tip of your fingertip, there's a very high resolution of, of touch there. And so when you're starting to develop these systems, you need to be able to take in those those resolutions of your uh, of your sensory neurons um, to sort of emulate some of these things, right? It needs to be a very high resolution, higher resolution than other things on your body, like your back. You're, then, you know, you can feel two points on your back. The distance between those points can be really big, actually, like six inches before you think about sort of um, them as two different points on your back, right? You put two fingers on your back, move them about six inches apart, and you'd still feel them as one point. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at there. So there's a lot of sensation perception going on here. Um, what are some of the other human factors, key so takeaways there? So for me, one of the biggest hitters is going to be the um, anthropomorphic, anthropometric fit of, you know, the, the shape, the fit of the, you know, whatever it is that you're using. So if we go into that element of we're looking more of the the suit and things like that, um, that's what you But even just with the application we're talking about just on, on the face, how is it, you know, is it adding that extra weight? Is it going, how do you size it for different people? How do you make sure that, you know, one of the big things that's coming out at the moment with a, a lot of research, uh, which I, I think, possibly a lot of us have been quite guilty of um, not truly realizing that a lot of the anthropometric data is all based on, uh, is all 19% based on males. And there's not very much female anthropometric data in the in the data that we're using as standards um, for for build. And that needs change. And if if these, this type of application is going to work, we need to really get on with um, developing better um, anthropometric tables uh for for this type this type of um this type of thing so it's the vr itself doesn't have you know it's it's virtual reality you can be whatever you want to be you can do whatever you want to do but the physical kit that you're going to be wearing really needs to fit well it needs to um, not only be fit with who you are now but as we spoke about earlier you know people age people their body changes and things like that so there's going to be a, a whole bunch of stuff around the the actual fit of the physical equipment that I think it's going to have to be robust. It's going to have to be well calibrated, and it's going to have to it's going to have to fit. Um, I think there's, you know, I think there's probably a lot of other stuff we could get into with the engineering side of things. But do you think there's any sort of system safety and, and health things that we should be uh, considering with this? Yeah, I think sort of the uh, the big thing for me is. At first glance, right there's it's like what what do we have to consider? There, there's sort of this um, this device that pushes air against your mm. mouth. What 
could possibly go wrong. Uh, famous last words, right? Because there's <laughs> there, there could be a lot, I think, that we can consider from health. Um, you have in here mental health, and I do want to talk about that, right? And this goes alongside everything that we talked about with the society and cultural uh, discussions that might need to happen around this technology being implemented. So with that, you know, there can be sort of this loneliness um, that people experience. And does this more immersive technology patch that? Does it make it better or does it make it worse? So that's something that we can think about, right? We can also think about sort of the uh, the example of kissing your child goodnight. Does that make it worse? It, it might think it might feel like it's better, but does it make it worse because it's not the real thing? So there's a lot of other questions in terms of mental health that we have to think about. Barry, I'm curious on your take on on the safety and health uh, perspective here. Yeah, I think there's, um, I guess it's an extension of the um, the mental health piece to a certain extent is, we, we sort of alluded to it earlier, is, is this actually providing a healthy relationship? Now, I think there's an element of what is what does a healthy relationship look like um, with an artificial intelligent um, entity, a bot, uh, an, um, an NPC, you know, that sort of thing. It, it's, it doesn't exist, but yet you're investing or you could be, you could be investing a whole lot of, um, time, effort, feelings, love, whatever within a relationship that it doesn't exist. The, and then the, the application of this technology just just intensifies that because there is, there is much less ability to uh, delineate between the two. But then the flip side of that is, does it matter? You know, actually, if you're getting a, um, you know, one of the things that we find destructive within people is not having loving relationships, not being, sorry, being alone rather than being in a, in a good relationship. Um, is this another way of, of people who maybe can't or for whatever reason don't get into um, good relationships? This will provide one for them and actually make it a bit more meaningful and a bit more, um, bit more engaging. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see future research into that. Um, and, and so if anybody's listening who wants a, a research topic, they go, you can have that one for free. Um, but then I think the, the other bit of it that I'm quite interested in as well is um, if we do take this further and we do the implementation of it in, you know, for like, say, like we talked about body suits and, and things like that. Um, how do we link them together? How do we, um, deal with the there's going to be some really basic stuff around how if we've got if we're in these suits how do we make sure we don't electrocute ourselves if we've got if the these set these type of sensory things if we to believe what we told they'll become quite addictive um so you'll spend more time in the immersive world than in the real world because they just feel um so immersive um so what about the basic things of remembering to do things um and you're not wanting to come out and and do real world activity, so yeah, and I think so. I think I think there is there is a lot there to play on, but it's um, I don't necessarily want to be um, too down on on this thing because <laughs> I think you know this is clearly a massive step forward, and a lot of the things I think we perceive as as issues that we normally bring up in maybe a safety and health piece, I think a lot of it will be at the forefront of the people who are developing developing it. Um, but it's yeah, I think there's still uh, still a long way to go. You'd hope. You know, we did talk a lot about those physical sort of 
issues mm. uh, in in that metaverse episode. Again, like I'm going to plug that episode. It was a, it's such a good episode for us to talk about in relation to this. I do have sort of one loose round uh, as we're kind of wrapping up this story here. You know, we've been skirting around the applications that I think all of us go to straight away. Barry saved the day with the music example, but I do want to bring up a couple of other examples that were sort of illustrated in this video that the um, the researchers shown. And this is Future Interfaces Group on YouTube. You can go watch the video yourself. But just for everyone's awareness, there are other experiences that this might be practical. And this really comes down to sort of that immersive storytelling that we were talking about. So whether it's gaming or sort of these um, passive environments in which things are happening to you, there's other sensations that you can emulate on your lips that are you know less scandalous. So let's talk about them, right? Like things like rain. So if you're you know walking through an environment and there's rain, you might be able to feel some of those on your lips as you look up, right? Or feel something in your mouth like raindrops coming down from the sky. There's also the act of smoking, putting an object in your mouth and um, sort of inhaling uh, toxic chemicals and then blowing that out of your mouth, you can do that too, right? Spider webs. If you're walking through a spooky, you might feel a space. Again, this thing is mounted right below the uh, the the headset, and so it can probably target not just your lips, but the rest of your face too, which also has a very high sensitivity when we bring that back to sensation perception. There's other things like shrapnel. So if you're in like a combat zone in a war game, or if you are you know, breaking boxes is the example that they have, but you might be able to feel something hit your face as you're going through an environment with lots of debris. There's also toothbrushing. So you can brush your teeth. Uh, you can sort of emulate that sensation. And then there's also wind, right? So you might be able to feel the wind on your face through this device that's mounted to the bottom, right? So you're not getting anything from your nose up, I guess, but that might be enough to sort of give that sensation of being on a windy terrace or something along those lines, right? So there are other applications. We've been skirting around the the scandalous ones. Barry, any other loose rounds for you before we wrap this up? Only one. I don't want to be doing the spider webs one. Um, I don't like spiders, so that, that wouldn't work for me. No, I think it's, um, it is a really interesting technology. I really like what the idea of what they've done with it. I think it's, um, it's, it's going to set um, an interesting starting point for where we go, where we go next with it, I think the idea of of um, the, the the next sensors that um, that they build will be um, the true measure of where the growth of it's going to be. But yeah, good work, well done, well done. Thank you to our patrons this week and everyone on Twitter who thought it was a great idea for us to talk about this. And thank you to our friends over at Gizmodo for a new story again this week. If you want to follow along, we do post links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. You can also join us on our Discord for more discussion on these stories where we don't necessarily have to keep a PG. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. 
Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you, as always, to our patrons. We especially want to thank our Human Factors cast, our honorary Human Factors cast staff, patrons Michelle Tripp, patrons like you keep the show running. Seriously, you keep the lights on for us, and uh, that extends to our digital media lab as well. We have one of those. I haven't mentioned that on the show tonight. Anyway, we have one of those. It keeps the light on over there, too. Uh, I do want to bring up Patreon has some other cool stuff that you might not know about if you are not one of our Human Factors cast crew over there uh we have full audio versions of every show so barry and i sit down every thursday night for two was it two hours yeah 30 minutes before 30 minutes after and all that is packaged up as a separate podcast for all of our patrons uh so if you're unable to watch the live shows we do the audio version for our patrons there's also weekly q a's um this is a this is a great opportunity to ask us questions directly uh, and get some targeted feedback, especially it kind of uh, elevates in the line above our discord. We kind of look at that first and say, okay, who, where's, you know, who's coming here? What's, what's being said. There's also early access to the show. Uh, we do post our show just a couple hours early over there. It's not, you know, too much of early access, but if you're looking for something Thursday night, you might get it at like 6 PM Pacific instead of 9 PM Pacific. So that's another consideration. There's also bonus content over there. So things like our uh, EHF coverage that's coming out next week, our patrons will get uh, all that stuff, including the full interviews with all the people who called in and talked to Barry. Um, they'll get all those as one separate piece. So there's plenty of reasons to become a patron. Uh, first and foremost, you do help the show. And if that's your goal, then awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, if if you want something in return, we have all this stuff for you too. Consider it. Anyway, I think it's time we get into this next part of the show we like to call. It came from. It came from. That is right. This is the part of the show called It Came From. And this is where we look all over the internet to bring you topics the community is talking about. If you find these answers useful, no matter where you're at watching, listening, Give us a like or whatever the thing, heart. I don't know. Whatever it is, it'll help other people find this stuff. Uh, and it's all, it's all word of mouth. Anyway, so let's talk about three tonight. We got the first one here, lucrative fields in UX research. I'm going to go ahead and expand on this and say human factors. Uh, this is by user uh, Philosophical Razor on the UX research subreddit. They go on to write, hi. I'm currently in the government consulting sector. Oh, good luck. Uh, while, while the projects are varied and interesting, I am looking ahead for a role where the money is a little bit better. Are banks or financial institutions the best paying options? Or should I be looking at tech? Appreciate any advice. Barry, what are some of the sectors with high yield salaries? And what other factors should folks maybe consider when they're looking at breaking into a new sector? Wow. Um, if somebody could tell me which sectors have them, I, I'm, I'm quite keen to learn. Um, I don't know. If, is HF and UX the, the place to be going for for high salaries? Um, I, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I mean, I think, obviously, there, there is that the whole tech piece, the, the, the social tech in particular, 
um, is is very much on the up, um, and that mobile element um, is kind of there, particularly from from the UX piece. Um, but yeah, I've got to admit, with this when it, when it came up, I'm I'm struggling to think of of areas where you go, you know, where you're going to go and um, make truly big books. Um, you know, it's we are a niche um, discipline that that in safety critical industries we do get used uh, very well. Um, but even then, it's still a struggle, I think. Um, yeah. So I've got to, I'm, I'm going to tap out. I'm not entirely, I don't think I can give a, a, a satisfactory answer. What about you, Nick? Do, do you have more of an insight to me than uh, the, where, where would you go for the big books? American based big tech companies. I mean, like that is where you're going to find the most competitive offers, mainly because they have the money to spend. Um, that being said, there's some other considerations that I think, you know, you need to make, right? Especially at those big tech companies. Are they providing you a good work-life balance? Is it something that you're going to be able to maintain long-term? Um, what what kind of other benefits do they offer? You know, a lot of them have sort of a, a relatively high base salary and then great benefits on top of that and great stock options on top of that. So you're not only looking at, you know, sort of a, a, a base number, but you're looking at um, if you look at that whole package, it's it's quite um, lucrative. Mm-hmm. So so that's I think if you are looking just for money, there you go. But again, like you need to kind of consider where you're going to enjoy working. If you enjoy working on these varied projects, if you don't have a problem with being closer to the tip of the spear, um, you know, uh, that's that might be for you, especially if you're maintaining a good work-life balance. That's that's my two cents. It may not be the best advice, but if you're looking for uh, lucrative options, go with the Fang or Mang or whatever they're calling themselves now, uh, now that they're meta and Netflix is out, right? Is it is it Mog? Maga? I hope not. Because you, you've written the acronyms down. I don't actually know what they mean. So so uh, Fang or Mang, that's like, it used to be Facebook, Apple, uh I forget what the other A is. Netflix and Google. Oh, um, right. Yeah. And uh, now that Facebook has changed their name to Meta, F is now an M, and then the Netflix is now out, I think. And I'm not why, sure. I, I don't why, keep up with why, it. Why is Netflix out? Oh, have you seen their stock lately? <laughs> no. Ooh. It's, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that, they, that, they'd, uh, that, that they'd banged out. Yeah, so I think it's I, I so I, I'm just googling it right now. I think it's Mama, M A M A A. So you have uh, Meta. Let's see here, Meta, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon is the other A, uh, uh, right. and Alphabet. Right. So Google is no longer Google; it's Alphabet. Alphabet so you have yeah. Mama with two A's. There you go, Mama Companies. Every day school there. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one up here is from Shayita. Shayita on the UX research subreddit, they write, what does your ideal work environment look like? Uh, that's it. Barry, uh, what is your, what is your ideal work environment work like, uh, look like? Well, for me, it's, so if you look at the environment in, in the whole, I mean, such as like what my desk is now, I like screens, I like big screens. So you're not, um, you don't feel claustrophobic in, in your workspace um, and what you're trying to do. I like multiple screens so you can hand things off to different screen, different bits and have one for monitoring, have one for your active workspace, things like that. But taking it outside of just what I want on my desk because it's got to have buttons and it's got to have gadgets. Um, 
you've got to have access to people. Now that could be virtually, but it, ideally my ideal sort of office plan, I don't like big open plan offices, um, but I don't like single offices either. So I like small open plan offices. So maybe three, four, five to a room um, with like sort of small teams based type thing. Um, and, and lots of them, but also having um, other places to break out to. So you can go, so there's like conference rooms, you can go and do, uh, go and do things like that. Um, when you then look at some other um, bigger things, then, I, you know, in my ideal work environment, I want time and I want the budget and I want resources to be able to do the job properly and not having to scrimp and skimp and save and, and try and do that. I mean, that's always a, um, a bit of a massive nice to have. Um, oh, you decided to come back now. Okay, I, th- I thought I'd bore you there. Um, so yeah, I like to have the um, the time budget resources. The other thing I think works for me, and it's something I do try and do with my team, is to have ongoing internal projects. So no matter how busy you are trying to do the external stuff, the day job, doing a di- having a different project um, uh, alongside what you're doing is I think is really useful because it allows you to dip into something else. It allows you to do something, and it, it might be pro bono work. It might be something along that. It almost doesn't matter what it is, but having something that is not purely profit driven um, at that time to, you know, the uh, a change is as good as a rest. So allowing you to go to, to have something going on that you can go and dip into at any time. So yeah, I think that's screens and people and an appropriate size rooms. Works. Oh, whiteboards. I didn't put whiteboards in there. Whiteboards everywhere. You have to have whiteboards everywhere with working white pens. Uh with with whiteboard <laughs> pens. And not, not the ones that are kind of half dried out. You can yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what, and and the, the the squirty stuff that means you can clean your board properly because invariably when you go back to it, you can never get everything up properly. Right. And, and the yeah. proper proper wiping materials too, right? You need the like either a rag or something, yes. right? Not the not the like chalky block. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, for me, um, it's it's very different from yours, actually. I really do like the remote position, and I really do enjoy traveling to go to user events, and it really does sort of uh, limit in terms of um, what domains I'm able to work in. I, I find that I can get a lot of my answers through, you know, quick calls with people, and that's probably just the domain I'm working in and that's fine for that. But in some, you'll need to go do more regular contextual inquiries or something like that, actually visit them in person. Um, I can do most things from home. I really do appreciate the flexibility of having a remote position. That's what works for me. And I really love this question because you and I differ so greatly on this, but there's no right or wrong answer to this. Everyone works differently. And so, um, from my perspective, in terms of a physical space, I like three monitors. I like one big one right in the middle and then two kind of offshoots uh, that have various information on them that I might need to reference my primary workspace, right? So like if I have a Zoom meeting up, it's over here. If Or sorry, it's over here. Uh, all my communication is on this one, right? And all my sharing is over here. So if I'm sharing my screen, I'm looking right here because it doesn't have any of my workspace up. It's not sloppy. It's, you know, made for sharing. Uh, and so the primary workspace being so big too, I can split the screen and look at two different things. Like I'm looking at you over here and I'm looking at the notes over here. I'm looking at the audience right here, right in the, right in the lens. You see that looking at you. Yeah. Uh, so, so it really varies. It, it differs for me. Right. And, and ideally 
um, you know, in, in this space, I share this space with both my personal stuff and my work stuff. And so for that, I need a, you know, dock that I can change modes with by one USB-C. I plug out of my work and plug into my personal and it switches modes in my head for me when I'm, you know, able to unplug my personal and put in my work. It's such a hassle to get back into. I mean, it's not, it's a hassle by unplugging and replugging it back in. But it's a hassle to go back and forth. And so I tend to stay in one mode versus the other. The other thing is that I, I would really like to prefer uh, an environment um, confined, uh, dark, almost kind of like a, a storage closet. I don't know if, if maybe this environment kind of reminds you of anything uh, mm -hmm. like where I'm currently at. I built it because of that. I, I liked being confined. I don't like a lot of distractions. ADHD doesn't work for me when I have outside distractions creeping in, looking at things. Um, and so that's the physical space, right? When you think about digital, um, you know, lots of organized folders uh, and, and making sure that that structure is uh, mirrored across everything that you're using, right? So things like uh, transcription software, um, document storage, information repositories, these types of things, making sure that everything kind of matches and plenty of l redundant links to each of those things. So that way, if you need to find your way, you can. That's me. All right. I think we got one more. Um, this last one's here. Applying to UX research jobs at Meta. Question about my dissertation topic. This is by Bluesmaker on the UX research subreddit. This one's a really interesting one. I'm glad you pulled it, Barry. Uh, I'm soon to be a PhD of sociology looking to get into UX research. From looking at the job market, it seems that Meta is the company that seeks many recent university goals. Because of this, I'll be applying there. However, because my dissertation topic is about QAnon conspiracy theory on Twitter, I wonder if hiring managers at a social media company be concerned that I'm coming from a perspective that's highly critical of their industry. Do you think that there's any reason for concern on my part? If so, is it something that can be addressed by how I describe and talk about my dissertation research? Be interested in any related thoughts people may have. Barry, do you have any advice for folks uh, who have conducted research maybe in the past that could conflict with a prospective employer's business goals? So somebody who works in the defense industry and is an employer in the, in the defense industry, yeah, I might, I've come up across this a couple of times now. Um, but my biggest piece of advice really is embrace it. Don't hide it. Um, you did whatever you did. And this isn't actually just for research either. It's actually anything that's gone on in your um, past, I think, to a certain extent. Um, but in terms of this particular bit around the dissertation, you obviously con you conducted that research for a reason. Um, it interested you um, and, and that type of thing. And you've obviously learned a lot that would be helpful to the social media industry uh, based on what it is that your, the, that your research has found out. So tell them. Tell them why your work was valuable. Tell them what you've learned and they could apply um you know if they were to if they were to hire you um because because the research you would get so yeah i mean you must have learned some really interesting things because i i think the topic is fascinating um so tell them why it's valuable embrace it yeah I, i'm a very i'm a very similar mind to you barry i think you know um just ensure that your rationale for wanting to work there is sound I, it sounds like they uh it sounds like this person is wanting to apply there because there's um availability and is it somewhere you want to work uh you know just make sure you know 
in your heart of hearts where you want to be. But also, you know, they will likely ask about something like this if they see it on your uh, CV, resume, whatever you submit, right? And I think the framing of your answer will be critical. I think, um, like you said, Barry, explaining what you learned um, and and sort of embracing that. But then I think there's there's obviously skill to doing an interview. And I think the piece that I will offer, in addition to what you said, Barry, is how can you reframe it to help the company goals? I've learned all this stuff about QAnon. And therefore, I think I can make changes to the company by doing X, Y, Z because of this background that I have. That's that's my two cents on it. All right. Let's just go ahead and get into this last part of the show. We call it one more thing. It needs no introduction. Barry, what's your one more thing this week? So I'm going to be a bit more um, with it this week. And I've only got one more thing this week. So our daughter's starting her exams. Um, so she's doing them a year early. But the... Every, after our um, elder daughter did their exams, um, this leads me to reflect again, you know, why do we pursue such an antiquated education system that we still, you know, we, we have an, a, a bit where we get educated, then you go and do some, you know, then you go and go to work and you do what you do. I just don't feel now that actually the way that we deliver education in this modern society um, really fits the way, um, the way that we live. And and so should I, I don't know. I think we should reform the entire lot. There was some really good talks uh, that that were, done, that were done a couple of years ago that shows that you know the the education system was was generated around um, basically Victorian um, Victorian needs, and and we haven't really moved on from that yet. Society has moved on so much um, that I think we should burn it all down and start again. Sounds like Just, a great great post show topic, probably. <laughs> Yeah, um, just makes me makes me frustrated. As, 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 not only as a parent, but as an employer as well. Yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll, I'll save that rant for for the post show. What, what, what about you, Nick? What's your one more thing? Uh, uh next week, uh, I, we've alluded to it. Summer hiatus, all that stuff. I'm going to the wonderful world of Anaheim, California, for Star Wars celebration. It's a Star Wars convention. I'm going to get my nerd on. Um, and I last time I went, it was a spiritual experience. It was like I keep saying this uh in some way shape or form but um it was when they said that you know the chewy were home uh trailer for the force awakens came out and just everyone was like in tears and it was awesome and everyone was on stage uh, i'm super excited about it um we have made the costume for our son and it is almost complete we're still putting on some last minute touches it's going to be a little bit tight on time but man i'm excited that's my one more thing. And that's going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the news story this week. If you like this episode, enjoy some of the discussion on uh, simulating the feel of kisses, I guess. Then uh, I'll invite you to go and listen to our episode on the metaverse, where we talk a lot about uh, those uh, those other issues of being in VR for a long time. There's a you know comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. For more in-depth discussion, you can always join us on our Discord community visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, you can do a couple things. One, leave a five-star review. You can do that right now. Uh, pause, whatever, just, you can finish listening, just go five-star review. That's fine. Two, tell your friends about us. That really helps us grow um, and helps us uh, sort of invade other people's lives. We love that. And then three, if you do have the financial means, we do offer a lot in Patreon and we'd love to have you join us. Support the lab that way. As always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. Mr. Barry Kirby, thanks for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you 
if they want to talk about uh, other applications for uh, VR kisses. <laughs> uh, if you're going to talk about kisses, then there's other web, there's other people available for that. But if you want to go find me on Twitter, I'm at Baz underscore K uh, and across all my socials. Um, but if you also want to hit, listen to the uh, other interviews that we've been doing, then 1202 Human Factors Podcast is where you want to go, which is at 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on Discord and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. All right. That was solid. Nice. I think we I think we behaved ourselves. <laughs> I think we, we, we skirted around the edges of decency, but um, but yes, no, I, I, I thought that was really good. Uh, Giving ourselves a round of applause there. Yeah. That was... We didn't get arrested yet. No, that was pretty great. Uh, and I think, so the reason, uh, I don't know, I mean, you've been podcasting for a while too. You probably know the reason why I try to keep it uh, relatively clean um, is, at least my reasoning, is because it reaches more people. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you mark that explicit, there are certain countries that right away, nope. Shut you off, yeah. Uh, and and so we don't we don't want that. And sometimes it's long lasting too, right? You do it for one episode and they shut off your whole show. Oh, um, really? I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it, it, it triggers a flag and they say, nope, we're not doing that. So um, we, we, we try to keep it clean over here. Which is good. Admirable. Yeah. Your parents will be proud. Thanks. Yeah. Who knows if they're <laughs> watching tonight? Um, <laughs> oh. I'm seeing them. I'm, I'm seeing them not next week, but the week after um, for dinner. Cool. Which will be nice. Yeah. yeah. I need I need to go north and see my parents. They've got a door waiting for me. So I'm going to take our van up and go and pick up this, um, this UPVC door. Oh. It's rock and roll life. I mean, it's it's a six hour journey just to go and pick up a door in some timber. Um, I think they use it as an excuse for me to actually go and see them. You know, I mean, yeah, because um, we haven't seen them in um, in a while. But when did we last see them? I can't remember. Fairly, I think they came down here last time. So, anyway, um, hey, really quick. quick, sorry, sorry, I just need to ask you. Uh, just from from a programming perspective, there was like a brief moment where I dropped during one of those qu- questions. Um, yes. Is it fine if I don't edit that out, or like should I edit that out? It's fine. Okay. I covered. Thank you. I, I was awesome. Yeah, Didn't I'm sure it. you were. I have <laughs> so it's interesting because I um, every week now I've gotten into the habit of resetting my router, resetting my computer right before the show, so that way there's no okay. issues. And I'm surprised that we got that issue. Oh, and by the way, uh, my internet service provider is awful. Um, and remember, <laughs> yeah, we did know this. Remember last month when I had called somebody over, they said, it's not your fault. It's, you know, in the cables mm. over there. Caused us big issues with the town hall. Caused us big issues on a couple episodes. Well, they came back uh, with the bill last month and said, we're going to charge you $70 for us coming out there to tell you it wasn't your fault. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. It wasn't our fault. Why are you charging us? And I said, oh, you're, you're right. You're right. We're, we're going to waive that. And we're also going to send you this bullshit that you don't need um, in the form of like this this uh, cable top box or whatever, you know? And it's like, right. Um, so that's frustrating. But uh, at least I'm not getting charged $70. Yes, because that, that would be distressing. Yeah. And I, I, I it got me thinking about 
the opt-in versus opt-out nature of things and like how many times have they gotten away with that? Somebody didn't even realize that they got charged $70 for something. It's just on auto pay. You know, if I hadn't like noticed a difference in price, I have notifications coming up, you know, about certain triggers and money and stuff like that. And so it's like when I, when I saw that come up, I was like, wait, that's way expensive. Yeah. Why? Um, and we, we but, found exactly the same. It's so this is the problem with sort of like like sort of direct debit type um, type payment. And it's so easy for for the money to go and to keep track of. I mean, I'm I'm probably um, a nightmare for Amanda, my wife. She handles most of how I manage business finances. She manages home finances. Um, and I, if I've then gone out and spent stuff, you know, through say through direct debit, it's difficult to keep up with with what's going on. Especially when we have like you know our um, telecoms bill is is not small given um, everything that we've got going on and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know we've had it before where, the, where they've added extra charges in you're like whoa what why why but not picking it up for like three four five months right um, by which time it's too late so well done for catching it yeah it's i mean the the sneaky part is that so it was 70 dollars more which if you look at my bill it put the first number from a one to a two uh wow. so instead of 100 something it was 200 something pay a lot for good internet here because it's important to me obviously on a show like this live streaming mm -hmm. um and it doesn't always work all the time so that sucks but the the yeah it went from a one to a two now if it was like i don't know um ten dollars less if it was sixty dollars i think you know it would have been one as the first number still and i probably would have overlooked it so yes. like yeah it's 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 a sneaky practice uh, I I totally don't like it. Um, it's almost, it's almost a um, a legal fishing. Um, yeah, we we've I've sort of seen you know around the whole cybersecurity thing and the way that the, the phishing works. We we had it once where somebody tried a phishing attack um, against um, my my bookkeeper um, in in the business. So she, what she now she now she's a business administration manager. Um, anyway, she they the perpetrators emailed her about using my email address as a mask so it came in and basically said oh can uh, just had this um invoice come in can you pay it really quickly and and the irony was that it was only because they asked for so much money at the time that um that that they got caught or we we realized what was going on because um it was just before we'd had um, one of our clients pay their bills, and so there wasn't very much money in the in, in the business account. So when this bill came in, and they were asking for something like ten thousand pounds or something, so it wasn't a, a small chunk, right? And um, and so Joe basically messaged me going, um, "Why, you know, why you know we don't have the, have this amount of money in the account? Why are you asking me to pay it?" And I'm like, "Pay what? You know that that sort of thing." It just makes me think that actually almost the these guys are doing a similar thing that um if you hadn't noticed you know they it's it's they're just chucking money in just to see if they can get away with it it's right uh, but legally um yeah. sort of legal. sort of yeah i mean I, yeah. they did come out here but it wasn't our fault so like why were we charged and you that's still rubbish right yeah. <laughs> um you brought up something in your one more thing 
about the education system and how it's antiquated. Would you like to talk about that? Yes, I would. Because, okay. well, so it's, but it's interesting though, isn't it? Because our, our education system is antiquated. Is we sort of seem to have socially fallen into this thing that you're born, you spend some time at home, then we basically ram you into into the education system as soon as we possibly can, largely because we need to go and work and um, glorified I mean, daycare. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's somebody said that the that the actual amount of education time you get for a day spent in school is four hours, and the rest of it is all is all basically childcare. Um, and so we do that so we can go and work but also you know socially we now expect all our children to, to go to school um up until well 16 18 whenever you then pop out the other side and then you go to work and we are getting better at people taking you know retaking exams or taking further further qualifications during um during the education piece but I when I I sort of look back now and say I did all the qualifications I did um, through school. Do I use half of them? Not really. No. Um, do you? And there is there a lot of other stuff there that we just didn't learn. You know, like how your um, um, governmental systems work, how how to balance your uh, your finances at the end of the month. You know, life skills that sort of Practical. stuff. We don't. Yeah. yeah. You do. You, you don't get caught. Uh, you don't get taught. Sorry. Um, that's probably a Freudian slip. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. I I think there is something to be said around really somebody having the um, the guts to, you know, who's in a position of power, not just me, um, being able to turn around and say, actually, this is it is fundamentally broken, and I think it's detrimental to society um, in the modern society that we live. That we could actually educate in a better way. Um, that we actually educate people for life to begin with, and then the skills that they need, you educate them with them as as, as you go, um, almost more of a more of an apprenticeship route, yeah, um, or something of, of that nature. Well, I, I think even beyond that, right? There's sort of um, with with pre-planned curriculum, with sort of these these standards and uh, courses that need to be taken it in a way stifles a student's ability to learn about the things that are interesting to them or engaging to them that they can then learn some of those skills through you know there's certain ways in which courses classes are taught um and those work for some but others learn much differently by either hands-on interaction with something so if you know, you were to do like a mathematics course. Well, how many how many medication pill caps am I holding? Right. I'm holding two and one plus one is two. Right. That's that's another way to do addition versus looking at it on paper um, or even with your fingers. Right. One and one is two. And I do both with my son. You know, I, I talk about them as I write them down. So that way he can see both examples live in the moment. And, you know, I think he's more visual. So he'll do the, the you know, how many fingers? Two. Okay. Plus one, three. Right. So like, that's the way he learns. Yeah. And when thinking about what is going to be best for how we learn, it's going to take a monumental effort to restructure this system that we've all become complacent with 
And it won't happen as a one and done reform. It will happen slowly over time if it does happen, which is also also another like frustrating thing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think the pandemic helped with some of it to a certain. So we, uh, I think I've said this before. I don't think it's a great show that we home educate our kids anyway, mm -hmm. um, and so have done since um, our eldest. Eld our eldest went into into school for the first term. And then we pulled her out at the end of that term and um, and we've home educated ever since. And now our eldest, is, she starts at university um, a couple of months time um, because we can't teach at university level. Even, even my own arrogance and ego says we can't do that. Um, but um, our um, younger daughter, she's, got, she's about to go into college and stuff. So, you know, it kind of it proves that it's, we've always been keen to do that because what you said around motivation is so key. You know, if you can find what works for them, what what you know, what tickles their fancy, what what is it that they find truly interesting? If you can get that motivation bit right, then everything else is easy. There's nothing yeah. worse than trying to turn around and say, right, you shall do all these uh, maths questions. I don't want to do maths. Well, you are. Um, you know, if you find something around, like you say, right, okay, we'll go and count all these bricks up, um, or you know, what, whatever you're doing, or practical versions. Um, but you still get the message across in the same way, then that works. The other thing is around the environment as well, because the there is nowhere else in society that you take a cohort of exactly the same age people and put them in the, in, in a room together and expect them to all learn, learn and do things at the same pace. Mm -hmm. Everywhere else, you you know you you you've got you know work, you've got older people, younger people, all that sort of stuff. So it's a real it's a really unnatural environment um, for for society at large. But I think, like, like, like I was um, saying before, I went off on that mini rant. The um, the pandemic has helped because there's so many people who have to read, you know, teach from home. Um, that actually, the we've realised that it's there's there's actually quite a few people who've turned around and said, "Well, actually, I enjoyed this. I want to keep them at home um, or work, um, you know, educate from home." Because actually, people have rediscovered families again. That whole, you know, you don't just get them getting up in the morning, get the kids out to school, so you can then go to work, work a long long day, come back really tired, grouchy, whatever. Having to put food onto the table, the kids come home, kids are home, they're grouchy because they've had a really long, stressful day as well. Then you all go to bed, and then you're, the only time you get together is kind of at the weekend when you all have to lie in because you've had a long, tiring week. Um, people refound the joy of having your family around with you again. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting, and we we need to open, we need to work out what what, what is it we want as a society. But as you quite rightly say, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, Right. Maybe, maybe some point in the future. I mean, even beyond the structure. Well, I guess it kind of gets its structure. I, I'm thinking more curriculum now, right? There's this like rigid requirement to hit certain topics at certain points and make sure you know certain things. They're not the right things. You mentioned that, right? Mm -hmm. in, in some cases, they're not the right things in terms of what they will need in terms of life skills. But I think beyond that, there's sort of a, a teaching for knowledge sake. You should know this, therefore we're going to teach it to you. But then there's also teaching for curiosity's sake. Mm. And I think that's something that's maybe largely missing from schools today is not necessarily teaching children skills or facts or anything like that, but more focused on teaching them to crave learning 
Yep. Um, and I think because I think if you solve that, if you solve that, you solve a lot of problems. Um, if they crave learning through various mediums that we've already discussed, if they crave that learning, then they are going. There's going to be much less resistance to transferring that knowledge for skills for facts. You know, I think. Yep. I think that's really where it should start, you know, I, and I think that could largely plug into the way that the system is done today. If we maybe slowly start to change it from curriculum based to, or, or sorry, slowly change the curriculum to, uh, you know, starting to think about how do we encourage them to crave learning, then I think the rest will become easier as as that change right like that's a good place to start in my yeah it, it absolutely it's the give them the love of learning um and it's and i think as you quite rightly put it's give them the how not the what so you know we i think i said in the pre-show you know i've been trying to teach myself how to do uh, video editing using software i didn't go and take a course to do that as such i looked up on you you know i knew i could so Google it, search for it on, on YouTube, find some good videos, spend a bit of time, then there's a bit of practical doing it myself, and then back to the video, learning a bit more, doing it myself. And and that's because you now know that there are all there's loads of knowledge and information out there um, to be able to pick it up and use it when you need it. So why do I need to learn it all when I'm between you know um, 11 and 16? Um, if I need to go and learn that sort of stuff, I need to I need to know how to go and do it. I need to go and look at how to be able to look at the sources of what I'm getting data from um, or information from, and objectively review them, make sure that they're good sources, that it's yeah. quality quality stuff. How to do critical thinking? How to how to live in my own society? How to not be so uh, as rude as I normally am? Um, you know things like that. How, how to interact in society? Um, how to regurgitate a random bit of knowledge on a like some sort of um, trick pony um, mm. is not not necessary in today's society anymore. No. Um, so, because most people, when they go through school, college, that sort of stuff, and particularly if they leave um, school, you know, pretty much as soon as they can, well, that's they like, they'll forget what two thirds or pick a random statistic. Yeah, um, amount of knowledge, you know, they've learned it, they've regurgitated for, for an exam, they've, they've got an exam result, and they don't pick it up ever again. So yeah. it's wasted. I mean, like my son is almost at an age where he is going to start asking why a million times. Um, yeah. He's almost there. And the one thing that I am trying to focus on as a parent, when that happens, my wife already said, you, you handle that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, cause I volunteered. I was like, yes, let me handle that because, um, I think that is the most important question that anyone can ask. Why? Yeah. Um, and so when he starts to ask that question, I will have answers for some things, but the answers that I don't, I'm going to be honest with him and say, I don't know. And let's look it up and, and try to encourage that sense of wanting to know the answer and, you know, teach him to use a search engine, show him, you know, he's, almost three so it's like not you know i'm not going to go into the intricacies of being like this source is not great right now but you know like um it will be that discussion in a few years time it will be very much like 
do you do you, why are you blindly trusting that source you know those are the questions that i will start to ask once he has um mastered the ability to use a preferably anonymous uh <laughs> search engine um <laughs> Because I, you know, also things that you know, being in our field, we know of certain dangers and certain things that we should probably keep track of, like privacy. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's going to be another thing that I'm going to instill in him. You know, it's like, hey, the more the more websites have information on you, the you know, the more they can sort of target you for certain things. And right now it's not so bad because they say they see that you searched for a car at one point and now you're getting a bunch of car ads, but in the future it could be much more damaging. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's so weird to try to think about that stuff right now, but, but all that to be said, you know, the, the why question, let's look it up. I don't know. Let's look it up together. But that, I mean, that also raises a, another social construct that we put into place we ought given the teacher student uh, relationship particularly when they're younger we're automatically instilling the the fact that there's somebody within your cohort so they stand at the front they know everything you can ask teacher and teacher will tell you what the answer is so you you've always got somebody who always know knows what the answer is well, that's not true of life um and actually it sets you in a bad place because it's only when you get to say master's level or a phd level um you're you you know well particularly if you're doing a phd nobody knows what you know because you 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 stretch science um and or you stretch thinking in some way um but we very few people get to that level most people are there thinking oh well there's somebody who knows always knows better than i do um so you're already make, creating this um subservient uh relationship which which is just damaging mm -hmm. uh, i thoroughly recommend a, a ted talk by uh what's his name ken robinson ken robinson and he talks about um how schools kill creativity and it was seeing that talk um that you know, I said we've been home educating for a while, so we'd already had it circulating in our heads that we didn't like different bits. But when you watch that TED talk, um, and unfortunately he passed away fairly recently, but the you, you listen to what he says and watch what he says, and you're like, wow, yeah, that's it's so blindingly obvious when 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 he's put out in front of you. And this was all just reignited again for me by um, my daughter stressing about her math exam that she got tomorrow, and so she's doing another um, mock paper tonight, and uh, I. Part of me is like, you know, obviously to her face and stuff, he's like, you know, you do your best, all that sort of stuff, and you're doing really well. And and then um, part of me is just inside going, why are we forcing our kids to go through and just learn how to pass an exam, which has no real relevance? Because you don't, you know, when you go to work and just work in isolation um, without mm -hmm. asking, you know, without picking up your phone to use a calculator or, you know, whatever it is, it's just not realistic. Yeah, I mean, even even beyond like knowledge exams for for um, like what, what do you call them? Primary school students. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even beyond those, you have sort of these like like I'm thinking like the GRE, graduate requisite exam, to get into grad school. Yeah. What is that really testing? It's testing your ability to <laughs> to uh, sit, memorize facts, and and test your ability to strengthen your skills with one specific thing for however long you do it 
and yeah. perform that skill against others, you know, and put you on a bell curve. Like that's that's really what it's testing, and it's frustrating because that should not be the exclusion criteria for wanting to learn more and having the drive to learn more, right? Like if, if somebody like just take the lab, for example, right? We, um, we put out a, a post on LinkedIn, um, for the volunteer position, uh, this week. Um, if somebody were to come through that process and say, I failed the GRE, I can't get into grad school. I'm looking for experience to help push me over the edge because I have a desire to learn, right? I'm not going to hold the fact that they didn't complete the GRE, they didn't pass the GRE against them. I see somebody and their desire to learn, their desire to do better, their desire to push forward further. And I'm like, what? Why is it an exclusionary criteria? It just makes no sense to me from like, if I ever go back into academia, um, that will be like, I, I don't care about that. Can we take that off of the requirement list? Because I just don't care. It's a filtering mechanism, but there are better ways to filter against, um, you know, those who are there because they want to be versus those who are there because of other motivations. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I've always looked upon this as uh, almost quite militantly to a certain extent in terms of me as an employer. You know, when you sort of sitting there going, right, it's because we always try and frame it uh, with my sort of more socialist hat on. It's like it's it's making sure that, you know, everybody embraces their opportunity and stuff like that. But when I put my capitalist hat on, uh, you know, as an employer sitting there going, well, actually, just because somebody's got, say, a bunch of A's or a bunch of high grades, doesn't actually mean that they're articulate. Doesn't mean that they're presentable. Doesn't mean that they've got life skills. It doesn't mean that they, they can think critically or or things like that. Um, to the point that um, I rarely look at the the grades for you know what 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 grade did you get on your uh, degree or or whatever qualifications you're, you're presenting because I almost don't care. Um, if you've got, you know, if you've got the right level of sort of knowledge, or you can demonstrate to me, because we we generally do, it's okay, do presentations and have discussions and stuff like that as part of the interview process. As long as you can get across ideas to me and you've got a willingness to to learn and you're keen and you're motivated, that's way more important to me than um, how you manage to perform in a in a ninety minute exam on something that you probably now can't remember. Um, so, yeah, I think it's. I think we should need to re reform the world. I think we should just um, just start it all again, just because we say so. Yeah, you heard it here first. Human Factors mm -hmm. Cast going to change the world. Um, we well, we should we should work on that. That should we should put that in our lab backlog um, as yep, changing the world, one idea at a time. That's probably somebody's slogan. I don't know. Probably, but we well technically we've just or you just come up with it. Um, without referencing anything else, so therefore you still own the copyright to it. Oh, is that how that works? I mean, what if somebody else came up with it? There'd be a, what, like dual ownership of it? Like, I believe, I believe so. If as long as you can 
still claim because if two people come up with the same thing at the same time you still both have your own individual copyright to it um because it was original thought hmm. or both you didn't copy anybody else's work however if they can prove that you maybe subliminally were influenced right that's that's yeah, what i'm yeah. saying is like yeah. how how do i know that i wasn't subliminally influenced how, i i'm pretty sure i've heard that before changing the world one idea at a time i'm gonna google that really quick uh <laughs> it's probably an apple one thing. idea at a time um well that is the essentials of entrepreneurship um second edition changing the world one idea at a time uh so it does exist out there i didn't claim that that was original um <laughs> but entrepreneurship is not something that i've googled recently so i don't know where i would have picked that up so no, it, it's, it's just a it's just a phrase now that sort of thing i don't think you'd that if you were to do something like that you'd have to trademark it right um and that might be already trademarked yeah um, so like we've i've got trademark optimizing human potential is my trademark Ooh, look at that well, hey, it's uh, it's time for us to go. Um, we will not be back next week, although I will have something on a. Uh, there, there will be an event. It will play for you all. Uh, it will be our EHF coverage. It will look like we're there, um, but this was recorded a couple weeks ago, last week maybe. I don't know. It'll look like we're there, and uh, I'll be gone. Barry will be. I don't know, enjoying his free time. Um, I go to the pub. <laughs> booking more people for his show uh and um you know i think the following week we'll be gone and then uh, we'll be back and it will be Damn. a good time and we'll see what we'll see what we talk about i'm really um sort of bummed i know we're at time but i just want to bring this up because i'm sort of bummed about the news stories that probably won't be uh based on our our uh, news recap this week um Let's see. Our news recap this week, top stories. You want to hear them, Barry? Go on then. I'm thinking that since because we will do another news recap before uh, before we post the Choose the News. Anyway, here are the stories this week. Video games can help boost children's intelligence. That's how cool. How we perceive crowds. Crowds Ooh, of people. That's an interesting one. I've done research on that. Mm. It will soon be it will soon be easy for self-driving cars to hide in plain sight. We shouldn't let them. Intriguing. And passenger lands plane after pilot gets sick. Mm, okay. I've sort of seen that happen quite a few times before. So yeah, it's uh, not it's not novel, but. But it does give us an opportunity for springboarding. So, Absolutely, it does. Yes. All right. That's it. We're going to get out of here. Um, enjoy our breaks, I guess. And uh, we'll, we'll, our, our uh, past selves, we'll see you next week at the same Indeed. time, same place. And um, yeah. Enjoy your holiday and um, lots of photos. And, um, and we, should, we shall see you in three weeks' time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.